and welcome to Blades Pod. My name is Ben. It's Tuesday, the 10th of December, and I'm joined, as always, by Andrew. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing well, mate. How are yourself? I'm very good, thank you. I've got my coffee. We've got another three points in the bag. Yeah. Everything feels a lot rosier than uh, than the last time we recorded. I mean, I guess we said, you know, we said about this game, it's a bigger game for Norwich than it is for us in terms of... Um, league position and points and stuff but at the same time it does feel quite nice to get those three points done it and just sort of yeah. put park thursday and move on from it yeah i think it were an important win in the sense that um just because obviously coming it's brilliant to bounce back from a defeat in any division to do it in the premier league i think is even harder as well and it's di- and it's it's pretty easy to get on one of those runs i think we lose three or four in a row so it's good to stop halt that immediately yeah and i think also um uh, Fellow said this to us in the pub, didn't he? Actually, like, uh, you know, we, we'd have probably taken a draw from Newcastle and uh, and Norwich as in two points, mm. and we've ended up with three. So, in some ways, it's actually better. I mean, it, you know, if we win, lose, win, lose the rest of the season, we'll finish like probably 10th or 11th or something like yeah, that. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, you're right. You know, the, the sort of bounce back from a defeat kind of thing is massive, and um, just just making that gap on Norwich so big now. Mm. I mean, what is it? It's 11 points, isn't it? We're on 22. It's 11 with, with obviously, goal difference. Will be, I always say the goal difference. I just can't see anyone catching that goal difference up down at the bottom because... Well, it's 20 goals difference. This is us. it. I can't see us losing 6 or 7 nil in a game, personally. It might happen once, but I don't think it'll happen two or three times. No, true. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, if you just... Uh, I'm certainly still keeping my eyes towards the bottom of the table rather than... Uh, the sort of sixth place region and I, I'm pretty sure you are as well right I am yeah. yeah so I mean you look at that now and Watford are 13 points behind us Norwich are 11 points behind us I mean I don't want to at the risk of jinxing it I just don't see how those two teams catch us now you can almost you know almost just re- say that that's two teams we will definitely finish above the only caution I would say is obviously we were 10 points clear last time we went down of third place. I think this is slightly different because I don't see Norwich and Watford stringing four or five wins together. Well, they don't have Tevez and Mascherano playing for them, do they? <laughs> or <laughs> they don't at the moment, I suppose. Yeah. We've still got the January <laughs> transfer window to come, so maybe they'll uh, get messy on loan for six months or something like that. I mean, if you look at it from that point of view, I don't see Watford and Norwich uh, looking at us as a potential to catch anymore, to be honest. No, yeah, I think I said this a few weeks ago. I've had a Norwich fan actually said that to me uh, on Twitter, just like you know, I've, I've I've just accepted that you guys are not our rivals this season in terms of league position. So mm-hmm. I can just basically, I think it was after the Man U game, I can just sort of sit back and enjoy watching you, to be honest. Yeah, so, which is quite quite nice to hear. Um, another game unbeaten. Um, I can't remember whether I sent you this or not, but our next uh, our next away game is on the twenty first of December which means it will be 11 months and two days since our previous away defeat by that point. Uh, I think it's going to be a good effort to get to 12 months because we've got to go to City and Liverpool and Arsenal, I think, to, uh, <laughs> to make it the full the full 12 months. But, I mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? Eight games now since the start of the season in the Premier League, unbeaten away from home. Just, I mean, I would never, ever have thought that that would be the case, especially with our fixture list. Well, we all thought their own form were going to be more important, didn't we? I mean, I think everyone thought. I think even Wilder said that at the beginning of the season. But yeah. as own form's not been anywhere near as bad as people seem to think it has, if you contrast, if our away form would have been as own form and vice versa, we'd have said we've got a decent away record, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, but so to, this is really taking the pressure off the 
you know, the, the poor home defeats against Newcastle and Southampton, I think this away runs really took the, the sting out of those results a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm just, you know, just looking at the teams that we've played away as well. So, what, eight games away, we've played the team in seventh, the team in sixth, the team in fourth away from home. So it's not, yeah, it's not like we have just been going to Norwich and Southampton, and all right, we have played, we have played the bottom two as well. I suppose it's mm. a, a bit of a, a, a bit of a mix at this point. But yeah, my point is, it's not been a complete like just cakewalk of away games. It's yeah, I, I think there's too, ma- it. too many now for for anything to be classed as a cakewalk. I mean, it's True. been what eight games in it, I think. So yeah, I, I don't think. I mean, there's only twenty teams in the league, so we played pretty much <laughs> half of them already and not lost. Oh. Beautiful stuff, isn't it? <laughs> it really <laughs> is. Uh, spent a long time looking at the league table over the last couple of days, just like, oh, it looks so much better now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it does. But... I mean, obviously, I think we're all a little bit sort of concerned after that Newcastle thinking, Norwich next, they're going to be up for this. Then we've got Villa, then Brighton. I mean, I was thinking, you know, God, if we lose a couple of those, we're going to be right in it. And that's just really taken that sort of pressure off a little bit for the Villa game. It, I don't think Villa anymore is going to have that tension around it that it would have if we'd have lost to Norwich. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Villa are seven points behind us as it stands. So, you know, obviously it'd be nice to keep or extend that gap, but it's hardly a disaster. I mean, and they're not in the no. bottom three either. No, um, this, I, don't, I don't expect Villa to go down still, to be completely honest. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really not sure. West Ham, West Ham, man, I mean, I know I didn't get to see that game last night, but they, no. they're such a... Oh, I don't know. I, I, I would be worried if I were them. I know they won at Chelsea a few weeks ago, but... They have no home advantage at all. It's it's a disadvantage, if anything. I mean, well, there's always one side, isn't there, that you never expect. Uh, there, there is always that one team that you come out of nowhere. They might not go down every season, but they're always in a scrappy. Maybe it could be West Ham. Maybe it could be Bournemouth, Burnley. Really not sure. But mm. um, there's a couple down there that I never thought would be down there. West Ham definitely one of them. Yeah, as long as the surprise team is not us, everything yes. will be fine. Um, yeah. Did you know that our unbeaten away run started against? Norwich City. I'm glad you didn't tell me that before the game because I'd have been uh, convinced there was some sort of perfect symmetry going on, to be honest. <laughs> it would have ended against Norwich. I didn't yeah. know that now. I didn't realise that, to be fair. That seems like a lifetime ago. Well, I mean, I, I want to maybe... Um, we'll return to this in a little bit, actually, but I want to talk yeah, just about the sort of differing directions the two clubs are, uh, well, potentially, literally going in, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we lost to Swansea on the 19th of January... And then the next uh, next away game, or indeed I think the next game full stop was uh, was Norwich away, and uh, yeah, got a two two draw there. And this time round, we uh, we went one better, got the three points, and I'm happy to say that the Columbia Columbia shirt struck again. Yeah, as uh, as I watched this game with you, and I have to say, at half time, I was uh, I was thinking that the the, the jig was up. People tell me to burn it. Uh, yeah, I think um, I, I felt a bit of an idiot. Like I said to you at the time, because I, I obviously it's a yellow shirt, and I, I think I went to the bar and got a few looks as if to say, "Why is he a Norwich fan in here?" <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I think the Newcastle defeat were purely under my own fault for putting too many layers on. So I'll just have to brave the cold next time and just uh, wear it out loud. I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's still undefeated away, I did say this. Even if we lose at home, I'm still going to wear it for away games. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realise it was a long sleeve shirt until this weekend mm. either. So it's, you know, that, that you know gives you a little bit of uh, protection against the low temperatures we're about to experience. Not so. really much excuse, is there, for me not to wear it, to be honest. So. Definitely not. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about the game then. Um, I, yeah, as I said, at half time. Mm, was kind of fearing the worst because that yeah. was not a good 45 minutes from United all. I mean, to be honest, 
and uh, certainly having sort of thought about it and watched the extended highlights um, this morning, this was not a very good game. I didn't think it was pretty low quality. Uh, yeah, very few chances uh, for for either team to be honest. Um, and yeah, just not a lot of not a, it, a strange game in terms of there wasn't like really any pattern to it. I didn't think it's just like in the first half we just. We just didn't do anything. You know, we actually had um, we had more possession in the first half than we did in the second half. But geez, it didn't feel like it at all. Do you, it didn't do you, now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How how would you summarize that that first half? I suppose. What annoyed me with this? Well, not annoying me with the first half. What I found quite amazing is how much space they had in the final third. Like between mm. the sort of the center circle and the area, they were just like no. I'm, what were, what were confusing is that. It wasn't as if we had like pushed people forward and they were breaking on. Is that sort of happened at Newcastle? You understand that, you know. Every now and again, they had a break because we pushed everyone forward. We didn't seem to have any link to the strike force, and yet we had no one back to defend at the same time. I have no idea where the midfield were in that mm. first half. They did. They seemed to be caught in sort of put, pressing at the wrong time, holding back at the wrong time, and it was just a bit of a mess. And I think a better quality side would have possibly got a couple of goals with the positions that Norwich got themselves in. Or maybe yeah. a side more confidence, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think that's a good uh, a good way of putting it there about um, the positions they got in because they didn't actually do a great deal with... I mean, they definitely shaded that first half. That's, there's no way you can argue that, I don't think. Um, but yeah, in terms of like actual chances, I mean... Apart from the goal, which we'll get on to in a minute, I can't remember anything else. I they were one long ranger, weren't they? What Henderson yeah. said. Yeah, I think it was Franchich, was it? Fran- um, yeah, that, 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 and that's the only... There were a couple of sort of balls into the box. I know like Hernandez dived a couple of times in it to try and get pens and stuff. But, mm. I mean, another day, you know, they get on the end of them. But, uh, yeah, disappointing from a knowledge view. Because although they played well in the first half, uh, in terms of because they, they obviously had the better chance and sort of had, well, had most of the game... You've got to be disappointed they didn't really create much. Yeah, um, and, and you know what you said about like how easy it was for them to kind of get through into midfield and into the final third. I mean, I couldn't, re- yeah, I couldn't really work that out myself. It just seemed to be like really simple passes. I mean, there was one where uh, Aaron's the right back has just gone past Stevens, and O'Connell's had to go out, and he ends up knocking it out for a corner. I'm just like, that's so easy. How is he? You know that we want this guy Aaron's to be forward because that leaves space for us to attack into. But we were never able to exploit it, and it just felt like every time we cleared it, it was a corner or a throw into Norwich, yeah. and we just yeah, we just never really got our foot on the ball at any stage. I think I think I, lad, lad, we watched it with uh, said like it seemed like we were down to ten men, and and I do mm. think that's true. It did seem like they had an extra body; they were picking space up everywhere, and we were nowhere near them. Yeah, it was yeah, it, it was strange because obviously we've gone back to uh, what I think most United fans would say is our strongest team with uh, with Musa and McGoldrick up front. But yeah, it just um, I mean I think if I if I had to try and explain that first half, it would just be that we just played badly. Like not that you know anything was sort of structurally wrong or you know we, yeah. we, or the tactics just didn't match up to Norwich or anything like that I think you know just I a lot of tired. that was my worry at half time mm. I, I did think we looked really tired in that first half and I, obviously not pressing quite as well as we or not nowhere near as well as we normally do and sort of not getting to the second balls or even the first balls in, in many occasions and I just thought that we felt well as I said after we felt a little bit sorry for ourselves after Thursday night and I wonder if that did sort of come into it that sort of quite a quick turnaround it can be good in some ways and in other ways mm. it, it's still, still on your mind but I was a bit worried thinking, wow, this, this third game in a week has possibly, you know, took took it out of us. But I think we showed that that's a lot of nonsense in the second half. I don't think you can, nothing to do with the fitness levels overall. 
Yeah, that is interesting, though, isn't it? Because that is the sort of standard, uh, the standard public face that you present after a defeat. Is like, well, there's a good, there's another game coming up, so we got the chance to put it right immediately. Yeah. And yeah, to, to sort of for him to kind of openly say, oh, the players were still feeling a bit sorry for themselves, like, oh. Uh, yeah, you don't often hear that, I don't think. And, no, and I mean, like end of the day, and it's easy to say they are humans, and I, I forget this when they're on the pitch. It's like you're playing FIFA, isn't it? You're like, why run to it? <laughs> but I suppose, like in certain, when you, I mean, we've all done it, like uh, even at his own works and stuff. If you've had a bad day a couple of days before, you you're sort of second guessing everything you're doing. So I can understand it. The nerves are there. It's high high pressure game. That I think that I mean I think you saw with Wilder's reaction at end how much that were meant to, yeah, especially him and, and and I imagine he drilled that into the squad as well. So it were a big big game. Yeah, and like I say the human to, to bring it round second half again. I just felt so loads of character. Yeah, yeah. With Wilder's reaction at the end, I mean I, I thought that was quite revealing actually. If, if you're mm. a Norwich fan, you're probably like, well, why? You know, he must he must really hate Norwich because he went <laughs> bananas after that one. But I think it was more. Um, well, my interpretation of that is it's like uh, a lot of emotion over the last few days spent on things that he don't want to deal with. You know, he's yeah. always, and I know he's, he's building up this reputation as someone who's always like banging the drum about VAR, but he's pretty open about saying it. it's because you keep bloody asking me about it. You know, he's, yeah, well, he's, the decisions in our games are more than most other teams. I don't think that's me looking it through your red and white space. We've had the Lundstrom thing, we had the Basham thing, that's just, we had the Shelby thing, that's. Three major incidents that everyone's talking about. I don't think any other club, maybe City, with a couple of round balls and stuff. I don't think anyone else has had it, that sort it's of. It's such a sustained run as well. I mean, that's in our last five games, four games. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I don't blame him. You're going to ask him a question. I think Far. Is it Farker? I never get it right. Is it Far- Farker? Uh, I believe Far- Farker Farker said uh, um, after he, you know he, he's against it and that's I've, I didn't know that you know it's just the fact that these decisions keep happening to us that Wilder keeps getting asked yeah I mean yeah he's been pretty open about that hasn't he he's, you know every interview I do the first question's about VAR and yeah so he, he's obviously a bit uh, cheesed off with it and I, I think I, I got the sense he was a little bit sheepish um, about how he'd reacted in his immediate post-match interview after Newcastle because mm. I don't know if you, you did his press conference on Friday I think so yeah. the day, day after and he was a bit more like you could tell he was a bit more joking about like you know he caught me in a bad moment kind of thing last night so yeah I thought that was quite revealing how uh, how much emotion he showed at, um, at full time there I was surprised I mean it was a big game and I was delighted you were like everyone was you know happy with that win but it did seem like a bigger thing I think for what I think I think with everything that had gone before, the loss on Thursday, I think he knew it were important for a number of reasons. The fact that they're going to be down there this season, a lot of sort of things come on to make that a really pressured game. We lose that, for instance, like it looked like we're going to have time. We're going into that Villa game and you're going to have people getting panicky and even mm. pundits saying, well, they've not won in five or whatever it have been, you know. And yeah, I think it were a big, big, big win. Yeah, completely. Um, so the goal then. Uh... <sighs> Came out of nothing, and, and actually, um, almost everybody around me was like surprised that it had gone in. I think so. I'd uh, nipped to the bar at this point, and, and most people were like, "Oh, it went in." I think they all thought it'd gone wide or something. Did, I missed were... it. I mean, someone someone came to like to take where where you were stood, and I was all like, "Someone stood there, mate." Like you know what I mean? Against this ball, and I turned around, ball right now. Like, wow, we cleared that. I'm sure we cleared that. Yeah. So it's it was one of Norwich's many corners in this first half, and it sort of gets headed up in the air. And it ricochets, which I'll return to in a sec, to Tetty, who swings a left foot at it, uh, gets a good strike, and it goes in the bottom corner. 
Uh, through a crowd of bodies, there's, there's really nothing Henderson could have done about it. I'm sure if people want to be ultra critical, they'd be like, uh, oh, you should be beating on your new post. But mm-hmm. I, I never actually, I don't totally subscribe to that theory, to be honest. No, I don't think he had a chance with it. It was too <laughs> quick. It was just it was a good, good finish. It was, yeah. Um, checked for handball. Now, I've watched this uh, on, uh, I can't remember which of uh, Norwich's players challenges for it, but it, it basically drops in between McGoldrick and uh, and the Norwich player and then ricochets to Tetty. Do you think this was handball? I'd have been disappointed if we'd have had that against us. I think if you, again, I think it's another one. If you're looking at it for for that long, give the benefits of the striker. Yeah, I'm. Uh, so I must have seen, I don't know, ten, twelve replays by now, including yeah. watching it. Uh, you know, I, I just get rewinding it this morning to try and. I think I've seen it about six or seven times, and I can't make my mind up. I can't honestly say that it hits his hits him on the arm, the defender. Excuse me, the attacker. I, I just I just can't honestly say that it does do that. And yeah, so I'm with you. I, I, I said at the time, um, I don't want goals disallowed for that. I know there's there's the laws now that if a, an attacking player if it even touches them on the hand or the arm mm. um, and ends up as a as a chance or a shot or a goal, then um, it has to be given as a free kick. But I just yeah, I, I don't I don't want goals to be taken away for that, even when it goes against us, if you like. So yeah, I can't say I was glad that <laughs> that it ends up in the no, back of the no, net, no, but, no, but kind of accepted. But at the same time, you know, everything settled down. I, if that had gone against us, I'd have been furious, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I did think at the time, like, oh, is this going to be the uh, this is going to be the one, the VAR decision in our yeah. favour, where we're like. Um, oh, I don't, I don't totally agree with that, but thanks, we'll take it. You know, much, much like we've seen with the, the Lundstrom one, the, uh, the yeah. Shelby one, etc. I, I don't know if you saw the Travelling Blades uh, vlog this week. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. No, he was there, and it, there's so much hope in his face when he's going to uh, VAR because I think we were all thinking, "What? This is going to happen? It's going to go in our favour?" Then it's just like complete disappointment. Like now, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, VAR played quite a big role in this game. Uh, well, fortunately and unfortunately, from a, I guess, a partisan perspective, but um, yeah, just just from a like, I want to watch a game of football perspective. I think it was definitely unfortunate. Come back to that yeah. in a little bit. Um, so that was one nil at half time. Now, we didn't actually change anything at all. I don't think at half time we didn't we didn't change players. We didn't change you know the the sort of formation or the tactics or anything like that. I feel like we just got better. Is that is that completely simplistic, or do you think that's? I think we I think we pushed further forward. I think we were nowhere near as deep defensively. I thought the defensive line pushed up, uh, especially obviously. I mean, we were playing with a back five, weren't we? Really, like in that first half, mm. because Baldock and uh, Stevens very rarely got forward. And I thought even before the goal, although we scored pretty early, there was uh, there were signs that we were. Which something had been said because we were getting hold of it with that little flick from a goal that Baldock nearly got on, on the end of, and mm. just the fact that the, we had like four or five people in the area at that on that move. Yeah. Whereas before there were times where McGoldrick or Moose had the ball and he's looking up and there's no one there. I think there were obviously a a, a plan at half time just to push further up and be more sort of take more risks. Mm. And that uh, paid almost instant dividends with a, an equalising goal in the 48th minute. End of Stephen's first Premier League goal, and um, I think we all certainly a lot of uh, I feel more people were aware of this than uh, than certainly Norwich's defenders were. But mm. basically, the second that we broke out the throwing technique and uh, and they didn't react to it, I was like, "Oh, this is going to be a goal," and uh, and so it was. It was almost 
It was almost like I knew it was a goal as soon as um, as soon as Baldock got the ball back off the throw in. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so it proved. I mean, this is just hilarious. And then I, I, you know, you could sort of, I think me and you both turned to each other and were like, "Oh, it was the old throw in technique that yeah. some teams still don't seem switch, switched on to." Obviously, Paul Spark after the match said, uh, "We made horrible mistakes. We know Sheffield United always do that type of throw in all the time." Mm. Uh, and we know how to block it, so disappointing that we didn't. So he knew, you know, it, it's yeah. it's it's such a simple move. It's it's embarrassing, really, for for team still to be falling for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the players did just switch off, but I, I mean, I suppose it is slightly hard to defend because obviously you can't stand on the throw-in taker as yeah. he's taking the throw-in. I, I don't know what the actual laws are in terms of like how far back you have to be or anything like that, but I assume there is a. Yeah, you can't distance. stand. Yeah, I, I don't know the exact law, but like you say, you can't stand next to the throwing taker. Yeah, just trying to block it with your head, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so it is. You know, it's kind of hard to stop that. But you would think that you know there'd be yeah a bit more switched onto it. And uh, you know, a few people. Uh, I sort of tweeted a, a pretty facetious thing uh, after the game, and a few people were like, well, not every Premier League team has been stupid enough to fall for this. And to be yeah. fair, uh, f- uh, excuse me, Newcastle. Definitely, uh, there was a few times that I thought we were about to pull it off, and they uh, they had their many many bodies in the way. <laughs> so whether that was good coaching or just the fact that they had uh, you know five defenders at all time, I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah. uh, Baldock gets the ball back from Lundstrom, swings it over to the middle, one wing back to another. Stevens climbs. It, good work by Stevens actually, because uh-huh. he's not. Uh, I saw a few people say that it's a free header. It's not a free header at all. It's no, too... the comments, commentary said that. Free header for Stevens. What, what about those two Norwich players? Stood yeah, the, the one he has to essentially like uh, almost climb over to get to yeah. the ball, you know, in a, in a, uh, a legal way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it powers it in. And, yeah, just uh, flashbacks to Holloway last season with one wing back to another and... Uh, yeah, great moment. As you, as you said, you know, at the start of this little uh, little segment, the the fact that we were getting some more, getting men further forward, basically. So, yeah. well, I think the fact that you know the right wing back crosses for the left wing back in the area just shows how much further we pushed up and how much more chances they them two were taking at least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then we took the lead a few minutes later, uh, and both wing backs involved very heavily again. Uh, Stevens, uh, I think it's Hernandez, maybe just basically leaves. Leaves in the dirt on the halfway line, does a little uh, 360 round him. Uh, he plays mm. it over to the far side. It it gets sort of recycled with uh, with McGoldrick and Lundstrom. Lundstrom plays it in. Comes to George Baldock with some very fancy footwork. This was <laughs> yeah. This is class. If you if you're Norwich, maybe you're saying like I can't believe we've allowed him to do that. But it's it's just quick, and everything he does is quick. You know, the sort of drag it away from the defender. Kind of spins on the spot, gets it onto his right foot, pirouettes, and just hits it into the net. Really. It's only when I got back that I realised I could have a goal that way. I didn't realise at the time, even with the replays at the time, I, I thought, yeah, decent fit. It's only when you look back and you look a bit closer, it, it mm. really is a good goal up. Yeah, really intricate. Just, I don't know if he was thinking, like, when it came to him, I'm going to shoot here, you know, the couple of seconds before he actually did. And so he's mm. like, just, or whether he was just trying to work the space and then see what happened. But good for him for shooting. I mean, it's not a, you know, it's not the easiest position to shoot oh, no. from. And, uh, no, right. But he'd obviously realised, well, hang on, I've, I've got a bit of space. You know, it's all happening quite quickly. So let's just uh, swing my foot through it. And in it goes. It's his second goal of the season. Um, and, yeah, I, let's just talk a little bit about George Baldock. I mean, the transformation, I think we, you know, we're obviously a little bit, 
a little bit recency bias because he's just scored and got an assist in a game, so that you know makes it look like he's having a really good season. But he is having a really good yeah. season, um, and I think he is making a step up from last season when he was he, good as well. Uh, when he was linked with Celtic, if you remember, uh, in pre-season, there were a few rumours going on before he signed a contract. I, I have to admit, I was thinking, well... Maybe that's a position we can improve in anyway, but you know, thank God I'm not manager because he's been excellent this season. I have, like I say, when when the rumours coming out, I thought, is he going to be all right, Baldo? Yeah, he, uh, yeah, maybe not offering enough going forward. Obviously, being all about his final ball, and we've talked about it even this season as well. But he stepped up to another level, and, and he's yet uh, he's on the growing list of contenders for player of the season, isn't he? I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think we've always known he's a good defender. Um, yeah, you know. It, very, very good athlete. Like he very rarely gets dribbled past or outpaced or outmuscled or anything like that. Um, and and it's just sort of there's question marks about you know his, his production in the final third because the thing with Stevens in his first season with us, uh, he, he was creating chances. Yeah, it's just we weren't sticking him away. But with Bulldog, it it was sort of there just wasn't that much production. You know, his final ball was actually poor. It wasn't like he was. Yeah putting it on a plate for people. But... Well, I remember you and Jay last season on the pod talking about uh, when Freeman came back in and how the uh, analytics had changed from everything going down to the left, down the left to both sides. And that's mm. how Freeman meant to us. I think Baldock's sort of matching now what Freeman, uh, in the past like three or four weeks, what Freeman gave us. Uh, but obviously he's also got the added defensive ability as well. Yeah, no, it's it's great to see. Like I say, two goals. That was his third assist as well. So he's uh, joint most on the team with uh, with Musa. Um Yeah, just a, a really really impressive step up to the plate for him. And yeah, as you say, he's, he's well, that's pretty irreplaceable for us now. I mean, the, the drop off uh, when he eventually gets suspended because you know he's going to clock someone <laughs> yeah. at some point. Um, it's going to be quite a big deal, I think. Um, with that second goal, I, I noticed this watching it again. Uh, at the moment, Baldock shoots. We've got both wing backs, both strikers, and a centre back in the box, and there's uh, there's Lundstrom out wide as well, basically level with that. And you know, it's a goal that came from transition. It wasn't like it was mm-hmm. a, a set piece or anything like that. You know, all those players pushing on and getting into the box. Yeah, but- it was good direct play. It's not direct play like but when people say direct, they think. Pulist, aren't they? Do you know what I mean with the long balls. I think we're really good at that in the transition by being direct, three or four passes, and we're in. And, and I think that's what sort of happened. And to have that many people in the box as well. To, I mean, the it, like you say, we're in our defensive third uh, when Stevens got it, and the right wing back scores a goal. So, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty decent. Um, Op to point out, George Baldock directly involved in five goals in the Premier League this season. Among defenders, only Alexander Arnold and Andy Robertson have been involved in more. And obviously, TAA takes all the set pieces for Liverpool, don't they? So, and they're not bad players, those two, are they? Let's be honest. So. They're not not bad players, and they don't play for a bad team either. So, no. uh, obviously, neither does George Bulldog. But you, you know no. what I'm saying. Um, did you know that 12 months to the day? In fact, you probably do because I probably told you. But um, <laughs> so 12, 12 months to the day of the Norwich game, uh, George's brother Sam scored an own goal for us for Reading. In, uh, so they like uh, that sort of uh, that that date then. Eighth of December is obviously a very special day, and uh, yeah. yeah, maybe not for Sam if he scored an own goal, but <laughs> <laughs> that's just true. Yeah, uh, unless he's a, a secret blade, I suppose. We could uh, sign him alone just for that day, maybe. You know, just play him in that match, get a goal. And yeah, I wonder, it... if there's, I wonder if there's any other Baldock <laughs> brothers we can uh, acquire. Just just roll them out yeah. on the eighth of December every year, a guaranteed win. Uh, yeah, hat tip to uh, Jem Tollerfield for that one. I saw saw that tweet. That was such a 
I don't even know how you how that occurs to you, but it's a, a great little factoid. Um, so that was two one, uh, instant turnaround, and and yeah, I think you know. I'm starting to think we're better without the ball in a weird way. You know, I'd, I'd rather, t- you know, if you contrast this with uh, with the Newcastle game, when obviously they just let us have possession and at the yeah. two banks of five, you know, to suddenly to have a team like have to come on to us a bit, it opened up a lot of spaces for us. And yeah, we missed some chances, unfortunately. And um, yeah, unfortunately, it was uh, our old buddy, David McGoldrick, doing... Well, do you know what? He, he didn't hit the target this time. He didn't. No, on both the chances. No, he didn't, did he? Yeah, I think he's. I think it was seventy uh, percent shot accuracy for him before this game. I'm not sure if it's uh, how much it's changed because he did have one on target in the first half, and I remember us both saying like, "Oh, he always hits the target." And then yeah. come second half, yeah, he dragged um, he dragged one wide, but then the the really bad one was um, on the counter and great bit of play by Lundstrom dribbles it like sixty <laughs> yards, lays it on a plate for him, and I really thought he'd scored McGoldrick because. <sighs> It's almost like he's conscious of the fact he keeps hitting the goalkeeper, and so he's like, "Right, I'm going to lift this." And unfortunately, he lifted it a couple of feet over the bar as well. And oh, his reaction—it's yeah, a good—it's not. Good. I have to cut for him loads of times. I think there's sometimes where chances have not been as easy as people make out. He's got to score that one, hasn't he? He's got to score one of them. He's got, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, unfortunately, that's. <laughs> I don't want to hear anybody say uh, he's got to hit the target with that. <laughs> he always hits the target. He always hits the target. It. It's not um, about. Yeah, he's. He's. He, I really felt sorry for him. His reaction after and his reaction when he got subbed as well. Um, it's obviously playing on his mind. You know, he's. Yeah. He's probably thinking. He did this last season, and then after Christmas, he's, he was banging him in from all angles. So I'm just hoping that comes again. Yeah, I'm going to go absolutely nuts when he eventually. Eventually, just score one. Yeah, I, I did think that was it. Yeah, I felt really. I did feel sorry for him. Like when he just starts, I thought he was just going to like dig a hole in the <laughs> yeah. Air. It just like to beat in the ground for about five seconds. Poor guy. Yeah, yeah you're right. It, it is obviously playing on his mind, and I think Wilder's kind of mentioned it a few times as well. And in interviews of like you know the the value of McGoldrick even without the goals. So. Mm. Yeah, he's still on course to be our player of the season, despite no goals. I think I, I really did. I got I, uh, yesterday. Someone said asked me who, who our best player of the year was, mm. uh, and I said McGoldrick. I think in the year itself, obviously, he got us over the line last year, didn't he? When Sharp yeah. and he were banging goals in, and I know he's not scored. I know he's missed chances. I just think he's all round play. We, we look so much better, don't we? Well, I mean, he's not played against Newcastle. We didn't score. He didn't play against Watford. We didn't score. He didn't play against Liverpool. We didn't score. He didn't play against Everton. We had two sh- chances, well, one shot. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not a coincidence. No, agreed. Um, we then scored again in a slightly, well, a very confusing incident, um, which ended with Lundstrom putting the ball in the net. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, where to start with this? I mean, a, an extremely lengthy VAR check. I haven't actually seen... I've seen a few people say it was five minutes, but I don't know if they were just... Yeah, you know, just kind of plucking that number out of the air. If it literally was five minutes, because sure, I read two minutes forty six seconds okay. or something, or something like that. Yeah. Well, it felt a lot longer than that. I'll yeah. Say that much. I mean, yeah. So what happened here then? The ball is played to. Ostensibly, the ball is played to Basham, who gets bundled over inside the box. Uh, he doesn't play the ball. It runs to Lundstrom, who was in an offside position, and he puts it in the net. The flag goes up at that point, or the flag has gone up at uh, at the point that Lundstrom shoots and, and puts it in, which is good. I'm glad he put it in the net after yeah. uh, after Thursday night. Yeah, it goes to VAR. It takes a very long time. Uh, they decide it's not a penalty, 
mm, which is interesting. Uh, and the final decision is an offside. Um, I mean, I guess the reason this took so long is because they had to check the penalty first because Lundstrom's not offside until he moves to yeah. play the ball, I think. So I, I kind of get why it took so like I understand why it took so long, but I still don't like it. Like just No, I, I don't know. I, again, I think if you look at a penalty decision, and any decision, three or four times, and you're not sure, go with the ref decision. I really do, because no one wants to be waiting around, are they? I think it was a pen, personally. I think... I, yeah, I'm, I'm confused as to why it was not given in real time, I think. Yeah, well. I, I do I do think it was a pen, but if you're watching it and you're not sure after four or five times or whatever, don't give it. Don't make people wait for two and a half minutes or whatever it was. Yeah, and, you know, you, we couldn't hear it at the time, but heard afterwards, you know, United and Norwich fans basically singing like, yeah. you know, we want our football back and stuff like this. And yeah. yeah, just so much time. And and I think Farkas said this afterwards about, and, and I don't know if he was talking specifically about that incident, but just saying, you know, it, it does it does sort of suck the life out of the, the crowd and the, the team in terms of, you just stood around waiting for something, and, then and this is that... the thing: is, this is a big. It's not like there's an injury where you have a bit of a rest. This is a big moment. It's, exactly, it's, yeah. You know, from the fans' point of view, they don't know it's offside. We we knew pretty much straight away. This is why I don't understand why it took, the offside decision took so long. It was pretty obvious from the second replay that Lundstrom was offside. So they don't know that. So they're thinking, well, we could be three-one down, three-one up. It's a big moment, yeah. and everyone stood around, not really knowing what to do. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's that. That's it. Essentially, the the psychological impact of like, you know, this is either game over or game on. And mm. you know, how do we? We saw it with Newcastle. I mean, that killed the game. It, we waited two minutes, however it was, killed us. Absolutely killed us. That that just that blow killed the crowd, killed everything. I think that'd have been exactly the same for Norwich if we'd have got that goal. Yeah, I agree. Um, like I said, I'm still not totally sure why it wasn't a penalty in real time. But I guess having not given it there, supposedly supposed to be a high bar to overturn decisions. We, we still haven't had a penalty, have we, this, this season? No, no, none won or against, neither. No way, really? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. very strange, actually. You know, I wonder how many teams have not had a penalty this season in the Premier League. Uh, not Man United, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Man United have had all the penalties. That's why this, they've used they've them all up. They've pens, have they? taken our pens. I think they've had about seven Man United. It's more than that, I think. I thought they, oh no, I think it's ten in the season, isn't it, for them? Is it? Uh, yeah, wow. I'll try and uh, I'll try and look this up while we're talking because I'm genuinely curious how many <laughs> how many other teams have, have not had a penalty this season. Um, so then we, I, I think, the next thing that happened is is yet another VAR thing, um, and it's so uh, it's, it's so frustrating to just keep talking about this, but you you can't help it, can you? It's it's all. Stuff that keeps impacting the game in a yeah. in a massive way, and yeah, Basham goes into a tackle on uh, McLean, I think it is, isn't it? Um, yeah, for Norwich uh, flies into it. Uh, the Norwich players react uh, like it was a well. To be fair, they reacted like it was the tackle it looked like from the TV camera, which is not a good one. Um, yeah, that, I, when I first saw it, I thought, mm, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and uh, Basham gets the red card. Uh, I don't actually know whether they check every. Yeah, they must do. I guess check every red card. Um, and then that first, the first angle comes up again. It's like, oh, that was a really bad tackle, actually. Um, and then it shows you one from kind of the other side, like uh, behind the goal, if you like. And you realise he sort of missed him. I mean, it's it's not a 
Well, as you know, I, I will, uh, obviously I'm biased, but I will defend Bashamir. It's, it's pretty clear he's gone to kick the ball. Yeah, um, it's not a dirty challenge. He's definitely not a dirty... He's a mistimed challenge, that's it. Yeah, he swings his right foot through to clear the ball um, and, and misses because the ball goes, but he doesn't connect with the player with that leg. It's like his trailing leg catches him, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. It's, it's just the... It's just a mistimed tackle. It happens in a game. He certainly didn't mean to hurt him or anything like that. <clears throat> and so they, uh, yeah, but all the same, uh, very surprised to see this one get overturned. And this, this was the first VAR decision you can say has gone in our favour. You know, the first moment of like a, a decision had been made and VAR overturned it in our favour. I'm not having McBurney's goal being confirmed because it didn't touch his arm as, as one of these. That's That's nonsense. This was the actual first one. And yeah, a strange feeling like, oh, look, <laughs> this is what it, it feels like when it goes in your favour for once. Um, I, like you said, I don't think it was that clear to bring him back on, funnily enough. I think, I don't know, I think I don't think it, it could have gone either way. If you'd have sent him off, I don't think we'd have been sat here saying, well, that's a disgraceful decision. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, I'm with you. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, a risky tackle. Um, yeah. And, you know, if, if we're talking about that high bar of overturning a penalty, I mean... Can you? Uh, yeah, I can't definitively say that that's a um, not as bad a tackle as you know other ones that do get shown a red card. So, yeah, it's a, a strange one. It's the first uh, the first player to have a red card overturned in um, in the Premier League this season. Mm-hmm. Unfair. I think it I think it had, might have happened in the FA Cup um, last year or the year before. But yeah, we've had uh, last season we had Basham's arriving. This year we have Basham's returning. And, uh, well, did you see yeah. the United Twitter account where they said uh, Chris Basham was incredible after he got sent off? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Um, yeah, strange. Just a strange, confusing moment again. And I, I think, yeah, I think if it had stayed as a red card, I, I'd have been like, oh, you know, I think that's a bit harsh that he sent him off. But at the same yeah. time, I sort of understand it. Yeah, do you remember the sharp red card against? Um, yeah, against Southampton. Yeah. Exactly the same. I mean, it's a different kind of challenge, but uh, the same kind of reaction where I was like, "Ah, oh, really? Sent him off for that? I mean, that surely that's just a yellow card." And yeah, but at the same time, you saw, like, "Well, okay, I, I, I kind of understand that that red card is not going to get overturned because it mm. does look a bit bad from certain angles, and you know, it's a bit dangerous and stuff." So, yeah, strange to uh, see him go off and uh, and come back on. And I don't know, maybe. It'd be interesting to know if uh, if if Norwich kind of feel that that was a bit of a momentum swinger as well, even though. Have you ever it, seen it, by the way, before, where the player has stood off, like sort of off the pitch, like Basham was, but not going down the tunnel? I don't think I've ever seen that. No, uh, I mean I assume that he was one, told. What I really found bizarre is that when Billy Sharp got sent off, he was straight down the tunnel. That's it. Hmm. When Basham yeah. got sent off, he was hanging about as if like the fourth official had said, "Hang on, this could get yeah. overturned." You know, as if they had a word in their ear. It's weird, isn't it? I mean, you see it sometimes in cricket where they, someone gets out and then they're, they're basically off, almost off the field and they're like, hang on, I just need to check something before we before we definitely uh, yeah. send you out here. I just found it weird that how quickly, normally you go down the tunnel and that's it. I, I just found it you were hovering around, weren't you, on the sidelines, almost like Ronaldo when he became Portugal manager when he got injured that time. He was just sort of <laughs> hovering around and I just thought, as someone said to Wilder here, hang on, this is going to get overturned. I don't know, I just found it really, the whole thing was really strange. Yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 curious to know if Norwich felt that like uh yeah, just sort of swung the momentum of the game even though you know the the on-field play on-field numbers if you like were still exactly the same. Um mm. they had 
One more moment, uh, which actually was, I think they're only shot on target in the second half. Yeah. And Henderson pulls off a massive save. And this is one where I, I think I'd have been really annoyed if it had gone in just in terms of where's that come from? You know, yeah. Norwich, Norwich had done absolutely nothing, had they, in this second half? I mean, they'd had, they'd had more possession than us, but it just. We should have had a couple of goals ourselves. They weren't really off. They didn't offer anything, did they? No, um, I mean, I don't really remember them having, apparently they had six shots in that half, but I don't remember any of them. There's a few, like, you know, sort of half-headers at the back stick that went straight out for goal kicks and things like that. And, yeah, but this one, um, uh, a good bit of play by, I think it was Pookie running into yeah, the box. Yeah, past it, yeah. Yeah, it comes to Cantwell, who just hits this a really good shot, to be honest. And, and Henderson... As, as soon as he hit it, I thought it was a goal. Like, there's no way that cannot be a goal, especially if it's on. If, if, as long as it's on target, it's a goal, basically. Yeah. Henderson somehow gets down and pushes it out for a corner and massive save. Apps. I can't. I can't overstate how big a save no, that is. It was as good as a goal. I know that's a cliche, but it was mm. as good as a goal that save. I think when people were moaning, I was one of them to a degree. Uh, how long he took to sign and saying we should move on and. You know, he's messing his around. Well, that's why we waited so long, because there's not many keepers in the league who's going to pull off a save like that. No, and he, he celebrated it like a goal as well, he didn't he? It. Absolutely loved the kissing, like, you know, <laughs> kissing his gloves and pointing to the fans and stuff. He, he, he's a proper showman, isn't he? <laughs> he is, he's great. I, I, I still maintain he's the most confident footballer, possibly person in the whole world, to be honest. And, <laughs> and good yeah, luck to him. That's, you know, that's the attitude that um, you know, means like that Liverpool goal is you know, just a, a forgotten, a, a long-ago memory, I suppose. He's been amazing since that goal. I, I think, don't underestimate how many other keepers that could have you know, affected. I think to come back for such a young lad as well, he, mm. he's been brilliant, hasn't he, since that, that game. Yes, yeah. I mean, yeah, a couple of, some some good takes in this game as well. I thought that save we mentioned that save in the first half, uh, the uh, Vrancic shot. I, I thought that were in actually. It were I almost just, like you were, I did. It was like you were wrong footed or something, but then he managed to get down to it and push it away. Um, I mean, it's the other thing is uh, you know he, it, when we're still not getting peppered in these games, are we? There's very few no. games where we Henderson's where we're like, oh, you know, Henderson's made like three or four fantastic saves, and, and it's almost. In a way, it's almost better uh, in terms of the value he brings because he doesn't have anything to do. And then suddenly, the game's on the line, and he pulls off a massive save that that gets us two points. I mean, yeah, that that would have been a draw. I think what was that? It was like the eighty seventh minute? Something yeah, like that. yeah. And that'd have been so disappointing. I don't know if this podcast would have been quite as relaxed in terms of the the, the referees' decisions if I had gone in. To be honest, but yeah, it's hard to say. I just think they did nothing, and those those are the sort of games where. Yeah, I think you've got to win those sort of games. When when the opposition's offering absolutely nothing and you're so on top, I think you've mm. got to, especially in the second half anyway, I think you've got to win those games, and we did. Yeah, the the narrative would be so different um, had he not made that save because it would have mm. been more points dropped from a winning position, yep. uh, which we did against Wolves, against Spurs. Uh, it's not against Spurs, sorry. Uh, Wolves, Man United, um, and I think another game recently as well. But it's happened a few times uh, in recent weeks. It would have been five games without a win. Obviously, the point difference to Norwich would have been seven instead of twelve. Seven, yeah, seven. Yeah. They'd be on. Uh, they'd be on twelve. We would be on twenty. Um, have I got that right? Mm, sorry, but yeah, a bit eight point difference on the yeah. Anyway, eight, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> two points uh, in either direction. Um, 
So that would have been a big deal. Uh, it would have, you know, you could sort of say there's another another late capitulation in a, in a game we should have had sealed. You know, we missed, we missed chances to seal this game as we mm-hmm. did against Wolves. Mm, I'm not sure if you could say we did against Man U because we're 3-0 up, so yeah, 2-0 yeah, up yeah, rather. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know narratively, I think there would have been a lot of question marks about a lot of things about the you know maybe the attitude of the players not being able to hold on about the tiring in games. That's been a bit of a, a theme yeah. in the last few weeks on it. About and the... I don't think that was the case. I think it was just one bit of good play from Norwich. I thought it was good play mm. from Campbell, good play from Pukey. I don't think there was anything necessarily wrong. They, you know, they're a Premiership side, Norwich, and they, they might be one of the, the the lower ones in the league or whatever. But they're going to create chances, and that was their one chance, wasn't it? So, yeah, big save, match-winning save, and yeah, can't uh, can't overstate how important that was. So, good job, Dean Henderson. Amazing stuff. Um, and that was it, essentially. When it, I mean, they you know they were sort of launching balls into the box from pretty much the halfway line at this point and yeah it's just a uh, meat and drink for our defense and uh I, I don't know I, I this is why that goal would have been kind of doubly frustrating I never really felt in danger once we've gone 2-1 up uh, normally it, I'm really worried even in the 3-0 up against Villa since that game like I've been sort of worried <laughs> even when we're like a couple of goals up with like two minutes to go I was really calm because I just they weren't offering anything. They looked like they'd run out of ideas completely. And I just thought at that point, I thought if anything, we would we'd get another one. So it would have been unbelievably disappointing to let you know to concede at the end. Yeah, completely. Um, on that note, I mean, I think it's worth just having a, a few minutes just talking about the the different approaches the two teams have taken to to promotion, I suppose. And and as I say, the different directions we appear to be going in at this point. I mean, mm. you know, Norwich were in excellent side last season they obviously won the championship and they were they were good value for that you know they were a really really good championship team they were the um, best side in the league there's no doubt I mean they won the league by five points I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say Sheffield United were better than Norwich that's it because we weren't I mean we, we were brilliant in the second half we probably matched them in the second half of the season but they were good all the way through <laughs> yeah and they what did they finish like uh, three points ahead of us something five like that and it, in the end Five, right. Yeah. So five points ahead of us last season, and we're currently eleven points ahead of them this season. I mean, that's that is a big turnaround, um, yeah. and obviously not one that many people saw coming in terms of our performance, particularly as we were obviously you know picked to finish twentieth by more or less everybody. Um, I mean, what, there's no way to know, I suppose. But how, how do you think you'd feel as a Norwich fan um, in the in the way that they've approached this season? I think it must be galling to look at... I mean, Villa are only fourth bottom, but to look at the team that you finished five points ahead of and you you do think... I mean, understandably think they're better than... or they thought they were better than last season. So they're, they're, looking, mm. they're coming into this season thinking, well, Sheffield United are going to finish below us. Why, why wouldn't they? You know, and mm. I understand yeah. that way of thinking. To see us, like, in eighth place and, what is it, 11 points above them or whatever now... Mm-hmm. And for them to be the, the the team that won the league and now the lowest placed team, I, I yeah, I think it's quite sort of it's sticking my throat. Yeah, I mean, it, look, the reason they've done it is because they really, you know, they got themselves in a right financial mess a couple of years ago, um, mm. and essentially, it, I think had they not been promoted last season, I think they were really going to be up against it. Yeah. So this this does allow them to write, uh, wipe the slate clean a little bit and. I think that's quite, you know, the, 
if you're taking a long-term view, that's quite admirable that they're approaching it this way of like, we're not going to, you know, we, we are using this as a, a wipe the slate clean moment. We're yeah. not going to hamstring ourselves for the future. And uh, as I said last week, you know, they, they've, t- they've got a lot of um, good young players that they've tied down to longer contracts now. Uh, it doesn't seem like, um, you know, Farker's in any danger whatsoever, which is absolutely the right thing for yeah, them to do. I agree, yeah. But as you say, it must be... I mean, you know, give it give it twelve months, and if they're top of the championship again, they won't they won't give a crap about this season. Well, look at the championship this season, and I don't want to get all you know Billy Big, you know, but um, from what I've seen of the championship this season, I think that Norwich team would absolutely destroy it. To be completely honest, I think they'd certainly be doing what West Brom and Leeds are doing. Yeah, yeah. well, sorry, yeah, I mean, in terms of destroy, I mean, yeah, they'd be. I mean, I think they were still like ten points clear now, something like that, at the third place. I think they'd be definitely challenging up those with those two because. They are a good side. They're brilliant to watch, Norwich. They're fantastic going forward. And I expect them still to pick up a few shot results here and there. I can see mm. them sort of on the day because they can cause anyone issues. But it's all about that defence. And I think from their point of view, that first goal is absolutely awful. And it's a, probably a typical Norwich goal to concede in many ways. Switching off, free cross, not a free header, but you know he's not, not the best jump from the defender, is it? To, yeah. To, to get above him. And I think we went in with a more stable base with our defence and everything. We're always going to be hard for Norwich to outscore other teams. You can do that in the Championship uh, to a certain degree. I mean, we had a lot of last-minute goals, a lot of 4-3s and 3-2s and stuff last season. That's yeah. a massive ask to do that. But at the same time, that's why I think they'll pick up these shot results here and there. I wouldn't be surprised at all, for instance, if they went to Man United and won or something like that. I guess. I mean, you know, the thing that we all kind of felt with Norwich is the defence is going to be bad, but mm-hmm. the attack is good. You know, they scored a lot of goals last season, as I say. Let me see. Uh, yeah, so they scored, they scored 93 goals last season, which is by by quite a distance the most in the league. It was 15 more than us, 20 more than Leeds to finish yeah. third. But it's not really carried over into the Premier it's League. Not, the, the second lowest scorers in the league uh, now, behind Watford. Um, now Southampton have sort of pulled themselves together a little bit. Um that's not looking good, is it? Because they they can't rely on the defence. If they're not scoring as well, it's the writing looks on the wall. I mean, you can't write anyone off at this stage, but I don't see how Norris string three or four wins together. No, I just I just don't think they're scoring. Of course, you know, pa- actually, Palace have scored fewer goals than them as well. F- oh, sorry, 14, yeah, I didn't even look that far. Fourteen goals, table, yeah. <laughs> fourteen goals, a tenth in the league. That's a great yeah. effort. Right, I saw Hodgson. a Villa fan actually. I got a few uh, uh, view from 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 them like from later on the week, and um, they were saying like. Villa have scored like almost double the goals of, uh, sorry, ten more goals than uh, Crystal Palace, and yet Palace are like eight, seven points in front of them. They are, yeah. So yeah, Norwich, seventeen goals. I mean, we've scored more than that. You know, we're well. I think certainly after five or six games, you'd be like, yeah, we're, we're going to struggle to score goals this season. But yeah, we've outscored Norwich, um, and they've conceded more than double the amount of goals that we have, which which really says it all. And yeah, I. I don't see a way back for them, and also because I think they'll, you know, the sensible thing for them to do is double down on their current strategy in January and not completely loads of money at staying up. I mean, it's yes, it's it's not going to be a fun season, and this is kind of what I mean. It's a weird one to to kind of put yourself in that situation of like we won the championship. This is amazing. We are the champions. We're going to play in the Premier League, but we're basically just going to allow ourselves to be kicked in the face for nine months. Uh, and then when that's out the way, we can get on with it. And and it, it makes sense on a like a five year time scale, but it can't be fun right now. I remember I when they beat Newcastle, and I, I got a neutral view from after we beat Palace the day after, and they were so confident then. And this is why, like, 
obviously there's a bit of rivalry and I, I quite like that sort of you know banter you have oh yeah they were all saying we, they were better than us but they were really really confident that they were going to stay up they thought they were far better than the other two promoted sides it must I mean it's easy now like maybe in hindsight to say well it was quite obvious they were going to struggle but at that point it didn't really you thought well do you know what Pookie's got an actually he's got four goals in two games at that point mm. he's going to be a danger uh, and it's just not carried over they've obviously had a load of injuries as well but I don't think they can really rely on that anymore. I think most of their players are back now, aren't they? So, I think so. Yeah, certainly. Certainly, all the names that uh, stood out for me last season are, are yeah. you know, played for them on Sunday. Um, I mean, look, they may they're only four points adrift. They may well they may well still stay up. Um, but I, it feels like unlike us, who you know spent money to strengthen the squad in the summer, and I'm sure we'll do that uh, to an extent again in January. Yeah. They're kind of like not giving themselves the best chance to stay up because they they don't want to sort of mortgage the future for a a short term gain. Although obviously short term gain is uh, major Premier League money again for another. Well, season. on the outside looking in, I, I, that's what I do. I, I sort of, I mean, it's, you don't want to say right, we'll take relegation. But obviously, they like to say you're only four points away, but I'll certainly want to gamble in January in desperately trying to stay up or anything like that. So, and I don't think they will. I think if they could do, they're obviously looking at the Burnley model. I would have thought like. Mm. You know, going back down, coming back up, and being even stronger. And I think that's the best because they've got the foundations there. Are a really good side, I think. There's these players throughout the team. It's just, they just look a little bit naive, I think, and a little bit, you know, defensively. We all knew they were going to struggle, and they didn't improve on that. So it's not really that much of a surprise, I don't think. Yeah, I guess the only the only thing you could say is, uh, you know, from our point of view, the ten of the eleven um, that started obviously played for us last season. So we've moved on whilst not <laughs> not adding much to our first team. I mean, Musa is obviously a big ad. Yeah. But it is the strength in depth that we've got now, isn't it? With I, I think it's the strength in depth. And I think that... I mean, if we'd have had Norwich's injuries, who knows where we'd have been? You know, it's, it's, it's a good right. point. It's all right sitting here saying, oh, yeah, they're obviously Norwich and stuff. But I do think that defence... I think it's better to go to the Premiership with a good defence than a good attack, personally. Mm. Because I think your good attack is not ever going to be as good as the... The better attackers in the better attacks in the league. Yeah, I uh, I'm with you. I think that's uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of how I felt coming into the season. That you know that is why I think we're giving ourselves a good chance of staying up that solid base. And uh, mm. yeah, it looks looks pretty decent right now. Anyway, um, just uh, a, a quick one, which I thought was quite an interesting thing to discuss. Uh, Adam Cox <coughs> sent us this one on Twitter. Um, he noted that uh, Norwood has been subbed off quite early in consecutive games. Uh, do we think that is poor performance or something pointing to a change in direction, uh, either I guess long term for the team or um, in the moment? Have you uh, have you made anything of that? I, I actually didn't realise it gone off against Newcastle until uh, until much later. I think I don't know if it happened immediately after the second goal or something. I think the yeah, pretty much it was. Yeah, it was directly after that goal. There were a sub actually as that were happening, so I can understand how you've missed, you've missed that. To be fair, yeah, I was, I was too stunned. I think Newcastle yeah. one. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I think the Newcastle one's more interesting. I mean, I'd have gone for Lundstrom personally because I don't think that were his game at all, but I suppose Wilder wanted three up top and he saw Norwood maybe redundant against a side who never came in our half. He, mm. he wasn't there to dictate play. He wasn't there. There were no one to tackle. There were no one. It might, I mean, I actually thought we lost a bit after Norwood went off because although we misplacing passes and stuff, they were, we seemed a bit all over the place, I thought, after that, but that could have been due to the goal as well. Yeah. Against Norwich, he got booked in in the first half. That's the only real reason I can give for that. Maybe we're tiring and we're worried that he'll make a, a late challenge and get sent off. Mm, 
Maybe. Yeah, so he went off in the 67th minute uh, in this one and, uh, and Bessic came on uh, and we could talk about him, his little cameo as well. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if it's... It's a strange one because Norwood is, is actually one of our better defensive midfielders. Like, you know, he's the one that is consistently at the top for interceptions, tackles, possession, you know, ball recoveries, all this kind of thing. You Because know, he plays... He plays that slightly deeper role of the three, mm. and he's the one who's generally, you know, mopping up when um, when the centre backs go forward. It's basically him and Egan that stay back. So I almost wonder if if we're like expecting to be under the cosh a little bit. If it, in a way he becomes a bit more redundant because because yeah. teams aren't breaking on us, they're having more of the ball, and he's he's not like a super athlete Norwood is he so he's not like someone no. that's going to chase it down and win tackles that way he's more of a he reads the game and gets in the right place at the right time kind of thing breaks up counter-attacks so yeah it's a strange one because you know I just said there he's, he's actually one of our better defensive mid- or midfielders from a defensive perspective but his role almost becomes a little bit redundant I think when we're protecting yeah. a lead and yeah maybe if this is a you know Maybe if this change is made against uh, Man United or you know some of those other games, maybe that maybe that would make a difference. He's, uh, he, he got taken off against Arsenal as well. Uh, there were a couple mm. of games last season as well. He got taken on Brentford when we were under the cost. So you probably hit on something there, to be honest. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. It's just something I just came up with pretty much on the spot. Yeah, know, I think you might be onto something because like those the games like Brentford were massive <laughs> under the cost. Arsenal at that point were under the cost. We went under the cosh against Norwich, but you expected us to be under the cosh. The Newcastle one's more interesting, but hmm. I I don't know. That's personally, I'd have gone for Lundstrom to go off because I think Norwood can always offer you that ball into the box, even if it's with a set piece or something. But yeah, I think you might have hit on something there. I think it possibly a case of he does become pretty redundant when we're deeper, you know, when we're wanting to break as quick as you know as as, as our outlet. So I think you might be on something there. Yeah, and I, I you know I don't feel like he's played badly particularly. I mean, there were. It wasn't great against Newcastle, but um, yeah. I would say far from the worst offender in that game. Uh, I think and- a decent first half, no, what I just thought second half it would, mm, yeah, his passing were a bit off, weren't it? That uh, that shot from him in the first half is not good. <laughs> do you remember, oh, God, that? Yeah. remember that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Why did he do that? <laughs> he was still- like off balance, off like oh, yeah, really bad decision. That I'm still trying to work out if it was a shot or whether it was an attempted through ball. That he's not got- renowned for his shooting, is he? He doesn't normally shoot, so. Yeah, I wonder if he should shoot more often actually, because he's yeah. got a couple of yeah, he's got a cracker against Brentford last season, didn't yeah. he? And uh, free kick against Villa, or whatever. Anyway, um, Besic comes on and uh, very good, I thought. Yeah, um, you know, really, really put himself about, won the ball uh, numerous occasions, a lot of tackles, a lot of ball recoveries, drove forward with it well as well. I mean, I actually. The McGoldrick chance um, that he put over, I actually thought that was him that had carried it, but then watching it back, it was actually Lundstrom that. Uh, the first that one he carried, didn't he? The one that went wide. Ah, that, uh, it, yeah. that was the break from take. Yeah, uh, and that was a good run as well, just running with the ball. And I think Jay tweeted that uh, he came on in the 64th minute, and by the end of the game, he'd been involved in more tackles than any other United player, and he won five out of seven uh, ground duels. Uh, and made two interceptions, which is not bad, is it? In you know less than half an hour. Yeah, exactly. And you know that is that kind of is the basis of what I was saying about the possible reason for taking Norwood off, just because he's a slightly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks a little bit like a headless chicken at times when we've seen him in the in the League Cup games, yeah. particularly. But um, yeah, you're right. Is uh, or, or uh, as Jay says, yeah, most tackles for United. He was only on the pitch in there. Uh, in for 23 minutes plus injury time mm. um yeah it was uh it was encouraging i mean I, I think he's 
he's probably bumped himself to the top of that queue as the uh, the next man up with uh, possibly going ahead of Luke Freeman as the next kind of midfielder. Yeah, I, I like I, what I liked about him is that he does seem comfortable on the ball as well. He's obviously mm-hmm. more of a after he put on at least more to win balls and stuff. But he's not as if he's just he's not a Montgomery, you know. He's not sort of it's just that's not just his game. I quite liked how comfortably uh, it seemed on the ball as well. Yeah, no, it was good. Um, there was only six minutes of injury time, which was uh, I don't know if you remember this. The guy in the pub was had somehow bet on the injury time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I don't know if he just had a bet with his missus or something, but he was like. Six minutes of injury time. He's going, yes, 20 quid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, the most I've ever seen somebody uh, get excited <laughs> about injury time. To be fair, it probably should have been a lot more. Yeah, I think I, I was surprised how small that was. I mean, I think the two VR decisions took about four and a half to five minutes between them. So, Yeah, Henderson had some treatment, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Six substitutions, two goals. Yeah, I was a bit surprised, but we'll take it. The Blades win the game, 22 points. Feels good. Um, alternative man of the match you ready yeah I'm ready for this yeah nice one alright brought to you by the Denblades fanzine it's the alternative man of the match where yeah we, we give some recognition to somebody that doesn't always get the mainstream love they, they probably deserve this week um, who would you like to nominate I've gone Mal Besic actually we've just been speaking about him. Ah. I just think don't like underestimate how hard that must be to be out of the team but in the squad for that long sort of not be be uh, in the squad, but probably not really feeling like you're part of the success that we've had so far because he's only played, like, what, 10 minutes of league, league time? Something like, like that, that. Yeah. I just think to come in and play like that, he's obviously a good man to have around. I think Wilder does like him. To come on and just put that performance in, fit straight in, I think he deserves a lot, a lot of credit for that. Yeah, especially, you know, when you've come here on loan. I mean, if, mm. if you go out on loan, the point is you want to play football, don't you? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we've just not used him... At all, I mean, sort of. Uh, I, I guess, sort of. Fortunately, we haven't needed to because you know the the first choice three is um, they haven't got injured or suspended yet, and yeah, we're still still hanging on there with no um, no suspension for Lundstrom or I think it's Fleck on four now as well. I think you know Fleck's on four as Fleck's well. Fleck's on four, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, you're right. I'm it's, encouraged. It's I'm encouraged have... by that performance and that cameo. I, I think that he showed. I mean, I. I don't think we can read too much into League Cup games because, you know, even our better players are look poor in those, you know, when, when they've yeah. played in them and stuff. So I, I really encourage, that's the first time I've had a proper look at him in a real game. And yeah, I really, really encourage to have that sort of in backup who can come in and put in a performance like that. Yeah, very encouraging. Um, I'm going to nominate Dean Henderson just because, uh, I, I <laughs> just again, I can't tell you how big that save is. And yeah. as you said, this is a very different podcast, I think, if he doesn't make it in. I think genuinely that that probably is. Mm, I would say it's in the best two saves I've seen him make. The other one, of course, being against Norwich last season, the uh, the the three on one that he managed to stop at Bramall Lane. Yeah. Um, so he saves his uh, he saves his best moments for Norwich, which is uh, yeah, it's, it's always pleasing, I suppose. <laughs> and yeah, it's just uh, I, I I really can't so as I say overstate not only how important but also how difficult that save was and to. Mm push it out for a corner as well you know not just flip it back into play where they've got some men in the box just absolutely top class and as I say before you know the the fact that he'd had nothing to do essentially mm. for the second half apart from pretending he got a head injury 
maybe <laughs> pretty, pretty sure he was uh, overplaying that one a little bit. Um, yeah, so to go from you know zero to a hundred essentially in uh, goalkeeping requirement stakes was pretty yeah. pretty impressive. Um, However, I don't think he needs the added confidence of uh, of winning this award. So <laughs> I, I'm going to go with Mo Besic. Good job by him, definitely. Um, all right, so congratulations, Mo. You're the winner of the Denblades Alternative Man of the Match this week. Um, this is brought to you, as always, by the Denblades fanzine, which is available at denblades.co.uk. Uh, you can get a season ticket for 2020, which gets you... All four editions of next year's uh, fanzine, including extras like stickers and badges and no postage costs as well. There's an early bird season ticket available uh, for £18.89. Very limited number of those, though, so do get a move on if you would like one of those. Um, And yeah, check it out at denblades.co.uk. Right, mate, let's let's quickly talk about Aston Villa to, to wrap up then. We were half watching their game with um, with Leicester in the pub, uh, and they got run all over the place in the end. Um, to the extent where I had yeah. to sort of double check to make sure they hadn't had a man sent off. Um, they obviously lost that one four one. I mean, to an extent, they did lose a very important player, which is of course Tyrone Mings. Yeah, who... he's out. Isn't he? He's definitely out. Yeah, I mean, this was this was bizarre. I mean, because he pretty clearly done his hamstring. And they sent him back on, and then they conceded yeah. immediately uh, with him hobbling about the place, and off he goes again. I mean, you know, he didn't make a what mistake. What the other fans that. actually said when I was getting the view from the? Um, do, you, do you think uh, Chris Wilder has stood for him in their words, refusing to come off? <laughs> no, I mean, and it's it's stupid if he's aggravated it. To be honest, I mean, you know, you take you take a one game loss rather than lose your. You know, probably your best defender for like six weeks or something like that. I don't know how long he's actually going to be out for him. He might just miss this one game, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a bit of a split among United fans as to whether this strengthens or weakens them. I think, but uh, I, I think it does weaken them definitely. I've not totally convinced how good a defender he is, and I think uh, I think of his a lot of his reputation is coming from the price tag. I think which I is agree like, completely. I can't. I don't think he's a bad defender. I don't think he's sort of this accident-prone sort of player that some people make him out to be. I just think he's pretty average. I think he makes mistakes, but, yeah, I, I, put it one way, I, I, no way would I have him above Jack, Jack O'Connell or Egan. No. And that might not... be biased. Villa fan might listen to this and think, well, obviously, when you're a Sheffield United fan, but I just don't see anything that's any better. No, I mean, he's not Pontus Janssen, is he, in the no, uh, no. in the bizarrely overrated stakes. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he's just a, a, an average defender. And I, I don't know who they'll sort of plug into that gap, but I... I think it'll be Engels who were there last season. Right. I'd be surprised if that made a massive difference to them, to be honest. No. So, yeah. And also, I'm, I'm kind of... I'm kind of glad that he's not playing because I could just see him scoring. To be honest, after he after slagging him off, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that as well. And, and there is, you know, there's this undercurrent of uh, O'Connell versus him. I think we're all a little bit invested in him not doing well, Mings, aren't we? Because we're like, yeah, you, t- you took O'Connell's spot in the England squad. They're is, very confident, uh... their fans actually. Which, weirdly enough, I mean, I've got a couple of quotes here. One says Sheffield United, are, uh, they've got great support, but I feel like we can batter them on our day. Another one said Sheffield United are doing what a lot of automatically promoter clubs uh, do. Um, and they're starting well. One of the two was bound to. Uh, what they'll do is virtually what all those sort of clubs do and drop off. They are definitely in the 12 clubs fighting for the drop. And another one says, I think we'll finish above Sheffield United this season. 
Mm, how many have we got? A seven-point advantage. You could, I mean, I'm not, certainly. I mean, yeah. they've got a really, really nice run of games coming up, Villa, on paper. As we know, though, that don't always... Uh, but they've only won one game away from home as well this season. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I just don't buy this thing of like... I mean, it, it may well happen. that we, I mean, obviously, we're going to lose some of those games in uh, late December, January when we go up against... We have that ridiculous run, but I don't. I don't see why what other promoted teams have done means that we have to do it as well. You know, there was no, like those. And, whole, and I think it is a little bit of a myth as well. I think there are teams who yeah. got Bournemouth didn't drop off, for instance. You know, uh, half the bloody Premier League didn't drop off. That's why they're yeah. still here. <laughs> I mean, Wolves obviously you, you could argue financially they're far better. They, they, they didn't drop off last season. You know, Watford when they first went up, they didn't drop off. It's I think it's a bit of a myth. Some teams do. You've got your Blackpools, you've got your Huddersfields, uh, the Hulls, obviously. Hull, yeah. But I think that, I don't know. I don't think there's. I don't. I, I don't think there's anything sort of. I don't think there's any sort of. Re, uh, what's the word? Any, any sort of connection between like getting promoted, and having a good start, and then falling off. I don't. I don't think that's a trend or anything. No, I don't particularly. I mean, the big thing for me is we've only lost four games out of sixteen. I mean, that's. Mm. Really remarkable, to be honest. I mean, Villa and we've have lost nine. We've lost, we've lost one of those by more than one goal. Yeah, I, I didn't mention that on Thursday, uh, Friday rather, when we recorded. Mainly yeah. because I forgot, but I guess also a small part of me didn't want to concede that Steve Bruce was the bloody manager that uh, yeah. ended that run. What was it? It's like um, Fleetwood Town was season. the last one um, before that when Devante Cole. Scored. Oh, at home. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I went to that. That was a. That was a. Disgraceful nights. That were awful. Football. That was the last think... time we lost that season. That actually was it really? Yeah, yes, we... it was. Wasn't it? Yeah, we won pretty much every game the rest of the way, didn't we? Yeah. Um... But back if you go back onto Villa, the the, um, the the games they've got coming up, they've got us. They've got us. Then they've got Southampton, Norwich, and Watford. <laughs> oh wow! So they, they literally play the bottom three. Yeah. So they've got basically what they. The, I reckon they'd look at us and probably think, "Well, I'll take a point there, and then you know, win the next three, and they're they're flying, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, interesting, because that could, yeah, that could really bury those teams. Good that this is the thing when people say, "Oh, we're only like seven points off the drop," but you have to remember these teams play each other and they can't all get three points. There's this always going to be, there's always going to be some teams not getting points. So, so say yeah. the worst case scenario is we lose to Villa uh, next week, then it's Villa Southampton. They can't both pick up maximum points. So yeah, no. I, I've been saying to people, don't look at the league table, and I, as much and I'm doing it, so I'm a complete hypocrite because that's what you're doing. It. <laughs> you're doing well, but just go on the, the the number of points we've got. I think we need five or six more wins. Yeah, uh, completely. Five, well, five wins gives us another uh, another fifteen. That takes you to thirty-seven, and mm-hmm. then yeah, you've got to imagine you're going to draw a few of those other games. Yeah. So yeah, completely. And um, but yeah, just to I mean, I, I need to look this up with those you know those promoted teams that started well and tailed off. But I'm sure Hull were like proper feast or famine that season they were like win lose win lose win lose or you know win two lose two four defeats in 16 I mean that's remarkable we've lost as many games as Man United Man City have lost as many games as us now that's insane that is absolutely insane that yeah it is and yeah like I said Villa have lost nine Southampton lost nine Norwich lost 11 Watford lost nine so it's not yeah it's it's, we're we're almost I don't know it just feels sustainable that we're not losing games because if you you know, if you keep drawing, you keep getting a point here and there, and then you win, chucking a win every three or four games as well, mm. you're e- you're easily going to get enough points to stay up. And yeah, I'm I'm feeling feeling pretty confident. I think. I'd, I'd, yeah, I I'm more confident after that coming back on that win as well because I think that was a really important game. I think just to it puts everyone at ease. I think they, I think if we'd have lost an orange, they would have finished one 0 but never never got back into the game. I think a lot of people would have been saying, "Well, this, you know, this is a massive, massive game to keep that." 
I mean, Villa would have been four points off us, uh, and they'll go one. The thing is, I think that takes the pressure off. I think I don't want to draw or anything like that, but I don't think it's the end of the world or anything like that um, against Villa. I mean, I keep saying it every week a draw, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I do I do think that it's it, it's taken the pressure off to a massive amount. I think that that win. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Villa are. The third worst defensive team in the league, just uh, basically the same as Norwich and, and West Ham, bizarrely, on uh, expected goals against. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, the 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 decent attack. Um, I, I actually saw Dean Smith say we're, we're top six for expected goals um, this week, which I was like, mm, I'm not totally sure which model you're looking at that has you in the top mm-hmm. six, but they're, they're certainly creating more chances than uh, than ourselves and uh, and Norwich, but not not massively. Um, yeah. Yeah, they they sat on twenty two and a bit xG, and we're on nineteen and a half. So I mean, it's you know at this point, it's, it's not a great deal between the effectiveness of our two attacks, if you like. But yeah, the defense has been really weak, and as I say, probably is going to be uh, worse without Mings. I mean, you know, the other team that kind of sits there is Newcastle, but I don't, I just don't see that. Villa will come to Bramall Lane and play the way yeah. Newcastle played. I can't see it. I'd, I'd really don't. I mean, their away record, like I say, they, they played eight, won one, drawn one, lost six. Yeah. It's, it, it, I mean, Newcastle's away record were better than that because of the way they play, I think. Uh, sorry, I'm just, as you were talking, then I looked, uh, the whole City thing you were talking about, you know, the, the comparison. At this point, when they were first came up, they'd, they'd won five games, which is the same as us, but they'd lost seven. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. And, and they were only on 19 points. They'd let they'd only score 13 goals as well in 19 so mm, not sure if I buy that compared yeah. and just on that one example I'm, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm completely with you um, what was I going to say about oh yeah I think, I think Villa I mean to their credit I think they know they know what their you know strengths are and that is mm. their, their midfield and, and theoretically their attack I suppose I mean I saw I can't remember who it was I read it but you know they were like you know, people I think it might have been on the Guardians like ten things to take out of this weekend's football or something. It's, yeah. it was a, it was harping on at Wesley a little bit. And it, I think it said like oh, he's got he's only got four goals this season. I was like that's not bad. Like, not bad. Know, for, yeah, for a team near the bottom. I, I do know that their fans are actually really criticising him. To be honest, they, uh, there's like a bit, it's a bit of a uh, what happened with us with McGoldrick in in the sense that you know there's a few fans like. Hammering him, then uh, uh, this was like before he came back into the team. A few fans yeah. hammering, him, then a lot of fans sticking up for him. Saying we need to stick by him and stuff. And I think that's what's happening with Wesley. I, I think he's a seems like to be a striker short on confidence. He could be the battle of the misfiring strikers actually with McGoldrick and Wesley on Saturday. So yeah, he is. Uh, he's underperforming his xG by two full goals, old mm-hmm. Wesley. So yeah, you're, you're you're probably right. But yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's still got four goals and an assist. That's that's. Fine, he's the joint top scorer in the team. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean the the main strength I think is obviously that midfield three. I think Grealish, McGinn, and yeah. uh, Hurahan, all three of them are really good. Grealish is, uh, I don't know, I, I have a strange relationship with Grealish because I, I I I love watching him when he's just, when he's just playing football, but at the same time he does my head in. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I I kind of respect him as well in terms of you know when he got socked by that. Uh, Birmingham fan yeah, last yeah, year and, yeah. he, and he just got on with the game and scored the winning goal and then you know he was very complimentary about us uh, after they won the playoff final so I think he went up to Wilder didn't he and said you yeah, were the best team we played, played this year yeah. so you know big tick for that kind of thing but can you just stay on your feet I mean have you seen this clip um, oh god yeah yeah I have <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for anyone who's not seen it he, he sort of uh, he tussles with a Leicester player I'm not sure who it is 
uh, on the edge of the penalty area. Uh, a free kick is not given, so Grealish gets up and definitely flicks at him with his foot. Mm. Uh, you know, gives him a little kick as he runs away. He runs into the box and throws himself at a header. Doesn't get anywhere near it. Defender sort of knocks him to the floor, and he just like sat there like with his arms out. Why have you not given a foul? Well, because it's not a foul. Like. I just think if he just concentrated on playing football and stopped arsing about like that, then, yeah, yeah, and he's—I mean, he's I, I frustrating. Can... I love. I think he's a brilliant player. I think he should undoubtedly be in the England squad. It actually annoys me a bit that he's not in there, to be honest. But yeah, yeah it, at times like he's on the floor again. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and get used to it because it's going to happen a lot this weekend. He's the most fouled player in the Premier League. Let me just look this up. Um, it so, was by quite a distance the other day, uh, the other week. Where are we? Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, Milivojevic is... Oh, no, sorry, that's number of fouls, my mistake. Uh, oh, jeez, yeah. Grealish, 66 foul. This is... When you look at this, the top three most foul players in the Premier League... Traore Grealish there by any chance. He's catching up. He's coming up <laughs> on the rails. Uh, he's played a bit less than some of the other ones. Uh, it goes Grealish, Zahar and Madison. <laughs> All three of whom have had a lot of abuse at Bramall Lane in the last couple of seasons for... Perceived diving, but yeah, there it is. He's um, is is very effective at getting fouled. Uh, he's been fouled thirteen times more than the next most fouled player. A couple and of that's... their fans have been saying that McGinn's not been brilliant in the last couple of weeks. Um, I didn't see him against Man United, so I, I don't know. I can't comment on that game, but they seem to say he's like he's, he's a bit tired and stuff. So yeah, he's actually the fourth most fouled player in the Premier League. Oh, really? So... That's pretty decent to have two of the four most foul players as you're uh, in your midfield. So, yeah, expect a lot of uh, a lot of time on the floor from Aston Villa players this weekend. I think we all know what Lundstrom did to him last time, didn't we? So, yeah, I know the uh, <laughs> it's just just don't get set off. <laughs> just keep keep the tackles nice and nice and clean, please. Yeah. Um, fairly eventful games with Aston Villa last season. Just to finish up. Yeah. Do you, I- do you want to? Massive praise to you and Jay for last year's pod because I would absolutely. I still think we're not going to go up after playing that free goal. <laughs> That's the most devastated I've been for absolutely years following football. Um, that that three three. But on the on the positive side, we played them um, well for ninety minutes at home, pretty much, and eighty minutes away. We absolutely destroyed them, didn't we? In both of those games. Yeah, I mean, if you if you stop at uh, eighty minutes of the second game, it was seven one on aggregate. It yeah. Was, um, yeah, I mean, the reason I felt kind of all right about that 3-3 was we were bloody brilliant for yeah, yeah 80 minutes. And, and to go to a team that, you know, have a lot of good players and ended up getting going up in the playoffs, I thought that was a uh, a begrudging tick for Did us. And obviously they went on that massive run to, after that. So I, I don't think it's going to be as... I don't think we're going to outplay or anything like that like we did in those two games. But at the same time... I don't think we should be scared of them. I don't think there's anything there that we've not come up against in better quality so far. So, yeah, agree. And uh, yeah, we're we're just in such good shape at the moment that uh, any more points or point is going to feel pretty nice indeed. Mm. Could could go back above Man United if uh, if we get a win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> European chance will start again, won't they? So. <laughs> oh, good grief! Yeah, um, no suspensions and no injuries that we know of. I feel like Musa is just doing this. Uh, I feel like he just gets a sort of slight injury in every single game at the 60 minute. Sixty-minute itis, I think I'm calling it at the moment. <laughs> like where he's just yeah, gets to sixty minutes and just right. I'm not feeling this. <laughs> yeah, it's time to uh, time to get take a seat on the yeah. uh, on the bench. Actually, we didn't talk about Baldock's uh, celebration. Oh yeah. Uh, so apparently, he ran to Sharp 
but it wasn't. So my initial thought was, he's, well, first of all, I thought he's gone to drop kick the VAR monitor. And that would have been celebration. brilliant. He should have definitely done that. I'm disappointed in him, actually. Somebody needs to do that for sure. Yeah. I, mean, I think you were getting an immediate red card. <laughs> do you think it's that a red card offence for doing that violent conduct? Or something? It has to be the VAR, wouldn't it? It's a VAR to make sure that he, che- <laughs> he definitely made contact with the monitor. Yeah. It's, a, it's a very meta red card, that one. Um, <laughs> And, and then I thought he's gone to Sharp to to get his like revenge for um, for the Mister Socko celebration last year, which was a an underplayed detail of that celebration. Is that um, you know that sock came out of Sharp's pants essentially, mm. uh, and <laughs> was then yeah. placed in Bulldog's mouth, which is <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure I would not, have been not, there. Not not the the, the nicest uh, thought. Uh, the other person said that he went to Simon Moore, who got engaged as well. Oh really? Well, I don't uh, know. I really don't know what it was. I uh, so the I think the star said um it was sharp because yeah. um I think uh I, I think they've been on it Bulldog to improve his goal scoring or something like that. And apparently ah, sharp, right. sharp always tells him like you're going to score today, you're going to score today. Uh but he didn't tell him for the Norwich game, so yeah, he uh he, he ran up to him. At least that's what they've said afterwards. Uh I don't know if they were some of the um I don't know, maybe they didn't want to come out in public. Yeah. Um and, and I guess just one final note on VAR. What do you make of this? The linesman, the infamous linesman from mm. Thursday against Newcastle, was supposed to be the linesman against Norwich, and he was quietly replaced quite late in the day. Conspiracy what, time. So, what do you think of that? I don't know. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> I think there's there's two ways it could go. One is, uh, and it's it's. I hope this isn't the case because it's not very it's not very savoury. But they felt it was necessary based on. I don't know, abuse that he was getting or abuse that he was likely to get. Yeah. Um, The flip side is he made a mistake and this is a tacit admission of that mistake. And they thought, and they thought it appropriate not for him not to do this, but, or, or I guess a combination of the two, but I just wish they'd say, you know, like if if that's the case, can you, can you tell us? I mean, and then we can feel better about it and move on in a way, you know, feels, feels some, I don't know. No, it's not retribution, is it? Like a, you know, if somebody said like, "Look, we made a mistake in that Newcastle yeah, game." Yeah, and you got punished for it. You could say, "Fair enough." It's like if if a player makes a mistake, it's all over the press. Is that we're talking about it? He should have done this. He should have done that. You know, and and he'll get punished from from his manager. If Wilder carries on making mistakes, he'll get punished by you know the chairman. He'll get fired or whatever. I don't. I don't think it's sort of. I think it makes referees seem more sort of human. You're more simple mm. for him. If if someone comes out and said, "I made a mistake. I'll take my punishment. I'll miss this week's games or whatever's going to happen. I'll be back next yeah. week and I'll come and prove from it." I think they get far more respect for doing that than just as you said. Just you've got Dermot Gallagher on Sky praising every single decision that was quite clearly wrong a lot of the time on Sky Sports. Sort of, yeah, that were that that wasn't a pen and that. He's like, what? Just stop sticking up for him. Just say, "Yeah, I made a mistake." No one's yeah. going to say. This is a disgrace. It's it gets you more mad when they pretend that everything's going fine. I completely agree. It's it's almost like getting a getting out ahead of a story in it. You know, just like yeah. and it this seems to happen a lot in football. I mean, the, the Wayne Hennessy one. You know, is uh, oh, I was just waving while scratching my upper lip at the same time as that photo was taken, mm. uh, and the photographer just happened yeah. to be German. It was all a bit <laughs> just apologize. Just yeah. say you you just say you did something stupid, and yeah. you realize now how bad it is, and you won't do it again. And then then it goes away in like a minute. But now I don't, I don't just agree don't, with like public shaming or anything. But if I'd made made a mistake at work, my manager would say, right, well, next week. 
I need you to improve that. So I don't know, we'll put you on this for this week or whatever. I won't feel ashamed by that. I just think, well, next time I'll have to up my game. We're not children. No, exactly. And I think it's just having that accountability. Of, yeah. Like, I just think people are, I don't think we'd care about it as much. If if you know if they just said like yeah we made a mistake and so we're yeah we don't think it's appropriate that he uh, he uh, officials the Sheffield United game this weekend so we're just going to reassign him somewhere else and everyone's yeah. like oh, okay well it's it's good that you acknowledge that rather than I mean that Dermot Gallagher thing is it's remarkable I, I read it yesterday because I saw somebody who tweeted it talking about the uh, the non penalty on Basham yeah and he <laughs> if you read it he says. Uh, it, it says if Lundstrom was not offside, they would have given a penalty. And I was like, "No, that's no, not right. No. What you've what you've just said is not right." And and everyone else who's trying to explain what happened there has is, is basically said the complete opposite. So he's being wheeled out to try and you know clarify things for everybody, and it's just making it worse. Yeah, he's not he's not clarifying anything. He's just doing what he can to defend the referee, and that's not what he's supposed to be there for. No. Not all. So anyway, sorry to end it on that <laughs> on that annoying note. Uh, I think that's everything we've uh, we've yeah. got to talk about. It was uh, another another great win for United. Um, yeah, I, th- I feel like we're halfway there with the wins total now. Mm. Definitely five five more, and we're uh, we should be absolutely fine and dandy. And we can start thinking uh, looking up rather than down. Yeah. Um, all right, mate. Let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, you recorded something with Radio Sheffield yesterday. Do you want to quickly tell people about that? Yeah, well, like an end of year quiz for Radio Sheffield, a representative from each team, and uh, we did a quiz. Really, enjoy- really, really did enjoy it. Actually, really, really good laugh and stuff. Uh, I think it's going out just after Christmas, so um, can't get the results away because uh, it's like strictly. You know, what I mean, I don't want to. Well, I signed a contract when I came out and stuff, but uh, yeah, honestly, we really, really did really good laugh and. Um, can't help but feel like you're bragging being a Sheffield United fan uh, when you're talking in the discussion with the five other uh, South Yorkshire teams because they're all saying, yeah, good moment of the season where that goal that kept us up against or whatever or Wednesday's like, oh, Adam Reacher's goal against Leeds. Like, where do I start with our moment of the season? Do you know? <laughs> it's like, Can I give you a top ten? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, And you're like, well, could it be Leeds away or maybe the game we got promoted or what about the first one in the Premier League? You know, it just felt like our... No, the REM fan, I'm considerably more richer than you. Like, <laughs> it just felt like everything they were doing, I was one up, uh, one up in them. So, uh, but yeah, I did enjoy it. It'd be a good laugh. So I'll uh, tweet it out when um, uh, when it when it becomes available. Good man. Well, if you can't if you can't make the most of uh, of the last couple of years, then and when can you uh, when can you enjoy supporting Sheffield United? So. Good for you and uh, good yeah. for the rest of us. I look forward to hearing that. Um, great stuff, mate. Uh, where can people check out your, your non-radio work? www.royceviewfrom.com at Panchero on Twitter. Beautiful stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to the uh, the Aston Villa pre-match. Yeah, that'll from... be Friday. Uh, I think it could be a bit of a spicy one. I can see a lot of uh, tweets saying, who do they think they are as normal? So. I don't understand where this has come from. I don't feel like we're... I feel like we're pretty balanced, to be honest. I don't know if people are taking our like, uh, oh, we're going to finish in Europe thing too literally. Maybe they are. I think it, I think with the Villa fans, I think it's it's another thing of well, you said yourself. You don't like losing to promoter clubs, and I think mm. it must be in a in a minor way to what Norwich are feeling. That sort of goal of coming up, they were Villa. They spent loads of money. They're a big bigger club than us. They're, they they got more media hype than us. They must be looking at us and thinking, oh, that's you know, I want I want to be them. <laughs> Nice, I like that. Yeah. 
Good luck finding any Aston Villa fan to uh, admit to that psychological diagnosis. That sort of that should be us rather than anything yeah. else. That's what we were supposed to be doing. We were supposed to be the top half team this year, not not them. So, yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, we, we've experienced that a lot as Sheffield United fans uh, pre the last uh, three years, I suppose, yeah. haven't we? Of uh, you know being being a bigger fish, I guess, than some of the teams that are in the playoff places, etc. So. Yeah, I think that's a, a good shout from you. Um, all right, buddy, let's uh, let's wrap up there. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully more points for the blades this weekend. Let's and, hope so. uh, yeah, we will we'll catch up next week. Thanks very much. Cheers, bud. Thank you. Thanks as always to Andrew. Thanks as always to you for listening to the podcast. And thank you to to one of our sponsors, Beer52.com. If you're like me, football and a few beers go together very nicely. Beer52 are offering a free case of their hand-picked beers to Bladespod subscribers. All you need to do is head to beer52.com slash bladespod, sign up, cover the $4.95 for postage, and they will send you a case of eight free beers. And these aren't just any beers. Beer52, the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries the world has to offer. They're on a mission to find the best beers out there and deliver it to their members each and every month. So if you're like me and you like trying something new when it comes to your beer, Beer52 is definitely the one for you. They don't hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time and no cost to you. If you sign up before the 17th of December, so that's next Tuesday, you'll even get them before Christmas, which sounds great to me. Sign up today, get your free case of craft beer, get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the word beer, then the numbers five and two, dot com slash bladespod. Thank you once again for listening and up the blades.